0: Hi, I'm Heidi Harriet. Welcome to Doggone Good Information and welcome my co host, Tommy Fahey.
1: Hi, Heidi. How are you?
0: I'm good, Tommy. Good to see you. You too. In the new year here with the new, uh, new episodes of the podcast. I'm excited. Yeah. So it's a, we're yeah. back to
1: our normal format. The yeah. last time was in person.
0: <laughs> yes, it was. So it's a new year and I've always done my animals, uh, annual shots and vet visits and that my dogs and horses at the beginning of the year, sometimes because of the, I travel, uh, it was always good to just kind of do it. So I just took my dogs in for their annual visit and, um, I didn't get out of there unscathed. (laughs) (laughs) And I, so I want to talk to you about that. I actually texted you because you worked in the vet clinic and you've been a vet tech. And at at one point you were actually going to school to be a vet. So you've got some really good knowledge on this. And I, I always look to you for your lucky you. I look to you for your (laughs) assistance. So I know the basics, right? I needed rabies and now you can do three year rabies, which is nice. Uh And then the rabies is tied to in, in our County to the license, um, yeah, you have
1: a license in your, yeah. uh, county that you have to have.
0: It's only $20 a year or it's 40 if you do the three year, but it's your, you know, that's how they keep track of the animals and that type of thing. So right. I'm not against that. I, I struggle with it a little bit, but that's fine. And then I needed, um, the regular, the D starts with a D, right? It's just, it's a grouping. D-H-L-P-P. Yeah. Okay. What yeah. does that entail?
1: Ah, uh, gosh! You're gonna test my knowledge here. Is uh, there? Okay, distemper. Yes, uh, D uh, is distemper. H is uh, herpes virus. Lepto, uh, okay. L is leptospirosis. Uh, parvovirus and the second P. Okay. I don't can't remember off the top of my and head. And then there I was a T. I up. feel
0: like there's a T as well. Maybe. But then,
1: yeah, I don't have your invoice in front of me, but yeah, okay. Um,
0: so that covers. On, go ahead.
1: Yeah, depending on the um, the vet clinic, they may choose to use a different variety. Yeah, um, regionally, where you know parts, of the, country, located, parts of the country we've talked about different parts of the country um and then different brands of vaccine have different combinations of particular diseases in them right um yeah in the, okay. in the horse world you'll hear people say oh my horse got a five way yeah. uh the problem with that is that's not significant of anything which five way did he get which yeah. five things and <laughs> there's there's no standard on that so you Same have to really with read the dog yeah yeah, you have to really read what was in there.
0: And I did read it. I just wouldn't be able to remember it like you would. Right. And then I do Bordetella. And I mm-hmm. don't typically board my dogs, but as a trainer, anybody who's worked with me as a trainer knows, I want to be prepared for whatever the scenario is. So yeah. it's it's not great to find out you desperately need to board your dogs or can't find somebody to care for them, and you don't have the Bordetella. So yep. um, that's why I do that one. And then the Heartworm and the fecal, um, the check for the mm-hmm. fecal. So that was all fine. And that's give or take a couple hundred dollars, right? right. Sometimes I will go to the, um, the low cost vaccine clinics and sometimes I go to the vet, <clears throat> but I find the vet to be more. Um, but you know, you're establishing that relationship. But then I had one, my little guy needed some stuff for his ears. So there was that. And then my big guy has a little problem with his eyes. later. So it just, you know, it's something I I bring that up because it's something I talk about on the podcast. We get emotional about getting animals and I'm not discouraging people from getting animals. Just be prepared. And I think about my daughter who's starting out now, newly married, but has been single. That's a really big hit. And a lot of people have big dogs and a couple of them. Because your dog Mm -hmm. needs a dog, as Tommy likes to say. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Why'd you get another dog? Because my dog needed a dog.
1: (laughs) He was lonely. Yeah.
0: Um, So anyhow, just really think about that one. And this is just the basics. This was not one of them had an emergency visit to the vet or, you know, God willing, that doesn't happen. But it's part of owning animals. And so I I just wanted to bring that up because one... Kind of know what vaccines you really need. And two, you know, there's going to be a cost to that every year just to maintain their health. And yeah. that doesn't count the couple hundred dollars in uh, flea and tick, uh, heart guard or next guard or simparica or whatever you use. I do use yeah. the flea control. I think it's phenomenal. All of
1: the, uh parasite prevention. Oh boy. It adds up. It's expensive, but it's necessary.
0: It is. And you know, I fleas when I was young we always had animals and fleas were just part of the d- equation and you did the best you could. And now we have this scenario where you can actually be flea free. And I live in mm-hmm. sandy Florida. So, you know, that's a pretty good yeah. pretty good test a testament to the uh The stuff you give the dog and then heart, heart, the heartworm preventative. So, Mm -hmm. so I just wanted to bring that up because I reached out to you and you looked it over for me and said, yeah, it's, you know, not unreasonable, but it adds up quick.
1: Yeah, it does. And, uh, you know, we're going to get into this a little bit in the, the interview that's coming up, but, uh, when you have a particular breed or a particular type of dog that has known issues and you have a small fluffy white dog and a poodle, that both have known issues in the breed, uh, ear issues, eye issues, things like that, your vet bills are going to go up because you have to treat them and take care of them. And, you know, um, so when you are looking at getting a dog, you need to know the, the cost of ownership is not zero. Yeah. Um, and then depending on the type of breed and, and, maybe perhaps genetic issues that you may be coming up with that cost of ownership just jumps up exponentially.
0: Yeah. So again, not scaring people off, but just wanted, you know, it's a reality. I was in what posi- you're getting into, yeah, I was at a position to pay my bill, but I mean, there have been times in my life when I was younger, I would have, you know, what do you do? Put it on a credit yeah. card. You know, I mean that there you go. Then it, then it starts, but definitely, you know, and I'm also a simpleton. I'm, Not thrilled about all the medicines. I would have been happier to be offered kind of home solutions or that. Like I grew up with, right? My dad, we had lots of animals. So when you need a certain medicine, you get it. But there are a lot of solutions to do eyes and ears and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was after the fact, but I kind of chastised myself that I didn't, you know, really think more about that. Um, so, and it's a good segue because we're, this is a real hot topic. Our guest, uh, is the owner of pet stores, puppy stores. And, um, his name is Dan Cohn and I've, uh, known him now for a few months and I really was excited to get him on the podcast to talk about this because boy, this is a really kind of divisive hot topic for sub, you know, they've been banned in places, five States, Hundreds of municipalities have banned pet stores, and Dan's going to talk to us about why he thinks that's unreasonable. So I'm excited for that interview. Hi, Dan. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, how are you? I'm great. So I've been excited to have you on. You and I have been talking, and we actually live in the same neck of the woods, which is kind of fun, and I pass your businesses. And you own pet stores, puppy stores, and of course it's a controversial topic and it's something I'm pretty passionate about. Uh, I don't like the way things are going and how everybody's painted with the same brush. But I'd like you to start out by telling us what your business is about, how you got started and that type of stuff.
2: Well, we've been in the industry for over two decades and we are family owned and operated. Um, For us, it's always been a passion and with our babies, it's, the focus has always been on them. Um, we love what we do. We love the people that we work with the breeders that we work with. Um, and, and we're just all about it essentially. And I agree with you as far as everyone getting painted with one brush, it's a problem. You know, um, there's already more than enough evidence out there that if, you know, if you do shut down the pet showers and they no longer exist, you, you create a black market.
0: Yeah. You know,
2: um, at which point, what they're painting comes to life, if that makes sense. So we've been dedicated for these last two decades and doing it the right way and working with the right breeders and, and just really enjoying what we do.
0: Yeah, do you, um, so you you have, do you have other uh, animals in your store? Is it is it solely puppies?
2: Strictly puppies.
0: Okay, and um, tell us, I know I couldn't even get you on the podcast, because you were visiting your breeders. Every time yes. I tried to line you up, you're like, well, I'm out of town on my breeder trip that week and that week and that week. Tell us about that. Like, so you're, you know, the big the big uh, complaint or issue is nobody knows where these dogs come from. And we say on this podcast, Tommy and I all the time, the only dogs we don't know where they come from are really the shelter dogs, right? And let's right. be clear here. This is never the animal's fault. These are humans that are causing the problems here and you know, so in the, the shelter issue we've gotten into many times on the show, but let's just get back to this. So you have puppies in the store. How do you select the puppies that you're going to bring in? And is there a, a, a demand for certain size dogs, type dogs, that type of thing?
2: I would say the demand fluctuates like, like anything. Sure. So sometimes it's all about golden doodles and then it becomes about doodles in general, anything mixed with a poodle. Um, and then it goes into, you know, you, you, waves of German shepherds and larger dogs. So it, it's really hard to predict. Obviously there's the, there's certain breeds that have always been popular. Yeah. Um, you know, the Yorkies, the golden retrievers, the German shepherds, um, cocker spaniels and ne- you know, the doodle changed everything, you know, yeah. And and then the birth Major of trend,
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. And then the birth of certain breeds, you know, like French sure. bulldogs are number one right now. Yes, out of, you know, I wouldn't say out of nowhere. A the years. Of yeah.
0: smushed face yeah. and the, the heavy breathing. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, they are amazing. They're amazing. You like them, Tommy? Uh, they're very cute. We're it's talking the little ones. Yeah, it's amazing to me that they've gotten so popular because they have so many issues. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, as a breed, they're they're. It, you know, not the best genetics really. Um, and then with the the smushed face, the brachiocephalic, it's a lot of issues that people don't really realize until they get one and then they go, oh no, I have all these problems. Which um, we're about that. We, we actually tell
2: them, Tommy, like, so our yeah. policy is if you go into our shop and you just, oh, I want to hold that Frenchie. Oh, uh, absolutely. And we let you hold the Frenchie. We don't get into it. Once we see that you're starting to get serious that, oh wait, this, this person's actually not just there to hold the puppy we start telling them about what you know, what to expect, you know? And when it comes to these brachycephalic breeds, specifically the French Bulldogs and English Bulldogs, we tell them, I said, listen, we work with some of the best breeders. I've been with these breeders a long time. If you spend somewhere between eight to $12,000 in the first 10 years of this dog's life for its health, you actually got away with murder. That's fantastic. You were very lucky. You did a great job Mm -hmm. and and you were lucky. So we warn them when it comes to those breeds. um, They're popular in the
0: horse world. Uh, Tommy and I are also horse trainers and uh, I, there are a lot of stables, the English set have their little, right, yeah. their little French Frenchies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, So, well that good, good for you, Dan. I, I, that's great. What other animals do you see? What other breeds do you see where you, um, they're popular, but people don't realize, I think back to the Dalmatians, right? 101 Dalmatians. And they're, they're, you know, not on the highest level of the intelligence sphere of dogs. I love Dalmatians. Don't get me wrong, but right. I know there was a glut of them that ended up you know, being rehomed and shelters and stuff. So.
2: Right. Yeah. What we did was when, when, when 101 Dalmatians made that whole thing so popular and everyone wanted a Dalmatian, um, we actually stopped acquiring them from our breeder. Okay. Um, we, we did. So is not, not because we felt that we were going to be able to change this wave of popularity, but we wanted to step away from it because I, I, I can't say that I, I can never, ever, ever, have one of my babies end up getting rehomed.
0: Okay? Yeah, sure.
2: There's two things that we do to avoid that. So we're probably the only pet shop in the state of Florida and maybe in the country that our contract actually states the first three years you own your dog. I have full first rights of refusal to buy it back at the same price you pay. Um, it's not awesome. that. Awesome. Yeah. And it, we don't do it because we want, you know, I don't want you to sell the dog. The reality is if you buy a dog from us and you go and sell it a month later, there's no way for me to track that. I don't know that. Yeah. But if you're an honest individual, you're going to see that contract. You're going to be like, well, something happened in my life. Let me get rid of this dog. I got to get rid of this dog. Mm-hmm. And, they, and I'll get the phone call. You know what I'm saying? And that's a good thing. Yeah. So that's one thing we do to try to stop having any of our babies end up somewhere wrong. Um, the other thing is when we see something like the, Hundred one Dalmatians come out. We stop. We don't sell Dalmatians and now. I'll sell Dalmatians. Sure. And I get and I get them rarely. Um, and the reason is I just don't believe in the overbreeding. You you know the industry. It's a you know, fran- it becomes
0: a frenzy and it's it's not yeah. healthy for anybody.
2: Correct. especially correct. The And you animals. end up with ge- bad genetics. you know, Yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah, just filling orders. We don't fill orders.
0: Supply and demand. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so how many stores do you have?
2: Right now I have three.
0: Okay. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. And are are you up here in Pinellas?
2: Yes, I have two of them in Pinellas County, which one is on Almerton Road at 7500 Almerton.
0: That's the one I think yeah. you passed, Tommy. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and that's the one we're currently remodeling. Okay. Um, and then I have another one on Clearwater on Gulf to Bay. Oh, okay. Um, yep. And then the third one is in Bradenton on Cortez Road. Oh, okay. So over the Skyway Bridge.
0: Gotcha. Terrific. Mm-hmm. So what um, what does it mean to you to, to have this business and be able to supply animals, to provide animals, to people who are looking for a specific pet or maybe they don't know what breed they're looking at and they come in and they're looking for your folks to help counsel them. As, a, as an animal trainer, and I know Tommy too, that's part of what we do, right, is I always tell people, please le- let me help you find the right animal, whether it's a horse or dog before yes. you... Call me because it's not working out. Um, so what what do you what do you instruct? How do you train your staff to help people figure that out? Well, people who policy, might be listening, you know?
2: Yeah, our policy has been for decades. And and I think if you're looking for a baby, it's important that you see this and hear this. Um, but our policy has always been, and we tell this to our clients if you're interested in one of our babies, fantastic. If you don't buy a baby from us and you buy it somewhere else, that's okay too. But if you have questions about what's right for you and your family and your lifestyle, because the answer might be completely different for you, Heidi, than it would be for Tommy. You know, yeah, Tommy absolutely. might. Jack might Russell, multi <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. And you know, no Jack, Jack Russell. Russell for me. <laughs> yeah. Or, or why yeah. you know, or, or, or uh, short hair pointers I love German short hair pointers the worst dog for most people yeah 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 you know, and, and they're great dogs they're they're fantastic so we're here to answer those questions we're here to help guide you we're here sure. to, you know we ask the right questions that a lot of people don't think about and, and the less they know about dogs the less they think about these very important absolutely.
0: questions absolutely yeah you know
1: so when somebody comes into one of your stores what is the process like? Is there, a, is there an application that they have to fill out or is there a set of questions that you actually ask them to kind of figure out and guide them to what the right dog is? And then also to make sure, like I know with a lot of uh, shelters and things, you have to fill out an application of, you know, do you have a fenced yard? Do you have children? Do you have, you know, how are you, what's your housing situation? Do you have something like that in your stores that you go through with potential clients? We have a very informal process
2: based on my philosophies and my wife's philosophies um, and, and here's how it works. So a lot of people come into the store because they just want to hold a puppy and that's right. good for our, that's good for our puppies and that's good for the people so we don't care and we, we, we don't get into it and I don't try to dive into details with a lot of individuals because you don't know why they're really there. but it doesn't take very long to start to figure someone out. Mm-hmm. So like this woman I'll use Heidi as an example she comes in. And she wants to pet a dog. Yeah, absolutely. We going to pet a dog. And she's like, can you tell me a little bit about this dog? I really, I I think I like this dog. Okay, now she just opened up a door. And that's the door to, she's interested. And it's our responsibility, not only to Heidi, but to the baby that she's holding to find out what it is she's looking for. Yeah. So that's when I start asking questions, you know. And I don't believe in interrogating people in reference to... I've worked with a lot of shelters and the best shelters I have found to be the ones that are not like, well, Heidi, do you have a fence? Um, do you own your home or do you rent your home? Um, what level of education do you have? Do you have any children? How many children? Do you, you know, are you married? Th- th- this is not my business. If a woman or a man or an individual or a group comes in to get a baby from us, they're interested in getting that baby. To me, that qualifies them. What qualifies the baby is is it the right one for them so mm-hmm. you know, tell me Heidi. do you have any allergies to animals that you know about oh i'm highly allergic okay well let, let's move away from everyone on that side of the room now you, you know what i'm saying so i, I kind of narrow it down you know are you active are you a home buddy you know do you like to travel a lot do you want to bring your animal with you when you travel is it easy for you to travel you know that kind of thing yeah so th- that's how we help steer our clients to the right dog or, or we do the best we can to do. So if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah,
0: sure. And yeah. our, is it, is the trend for smaller dogs, medium? I mean, I know it's probably all over the place, but is one more prevalent than other? Are people getting big dogs, medium? I would, size say, small?
2: I would say it's all over the place, but the, but yes, there's definitely a trend towards the smaller dogs. Okay, good. I'm um, glad and, to hear that. And yes. And, 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 and I, I like that as well. Um, yeah. and to, to also to further answer one of Tommy's questions was, so I've had this happen before. I've actually had clients get very upset with us. Um, and, and when I said to you, you know, we don't judge anyone, but like I've had a clients come in where you'll have a husband and a wife come in with three kids and I'm making this up the, the, the ages, but you've got a three-year-old, a five-year-old and a seven-year-old yeah and they want to teacup Yorkie yeah. And I, yeah, okay. and I, I immediately know. say to them, I say, listen, I go, I I, I don't want to sell you this dog and it's not about you. So let me tell you what it's about. So you understand what I'm saving you from. Yeah, This dog will break a leg in two seconds. And when it does, it's going to cost you $1,800 a pop to fix it. Not to mention the pain, the anguish, the trauma to your children. You know, I try. remember they, they, if they're there for a dog, they love dogs, but they're not in love with this dog. Yeah. So the best thing to do is to be honest with them. What are they in love with? They're in love with their family at that moment, right? So look, you don't want your children to go through this. Yeah. You know now Yorkies are fantastic, and if you like Yorkies, listen. I think this is a better dog for you. Here's 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 a silky or a larger Yorkie. Mm-hmm. You know a Yorkie that's going to be you know eight nine, 12 pounds. Your family will love this dog. Right. You know, and most of the time I don't have an issue with it. Once in a blue moon, I do. Yeah. You know, where, where I'll get a client who's upset, but I, I won't sell the dog.
0: Yeah, good for you. Yeah, I totally understand that. I got my multi-poo. He was two pounds. And even I, I'm an animal trainer. I, I was totally prepared. I hadn't had a dog for a while because I'd lost my golden retriever, my beloved dog. And um, so I got this multi-poo, and I brought him home. I was like, what did I do? What I can't keep <laughs> this dog alive. You know, I bump him, and I'm <laughs> going to break something. And I had Lucky Star, right. who's a miniature horse, so Tommy, you'll appreciate that because I took him to the barn with me. You know, it's like, oh my god, if Lucky Star gets near him, it's the end of him. <laughs> now right. he's seven pounds, but yeah, I mean it. It absolutely with kids, it's so valid, not intentional, but yeah, not the right dog. So you went on breeder trips. Tell us what, like, what are you looking for in your breeders? How does how do you uh, so you've had a lot of breeders for a while, but let's say there was a new breeder you came in contact with or somebody set you up with, what are you looking for? And what, um, how far out do you go? Are they Florida or do you go around the country or?
2: Well, it's 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 very much so around the country. They're not in Florida. Okay. Mainly because you met Chris Fleming, the owner of Pinnacle Pet. yeah. and I work with Chris Fleming. I would say upwards of 97% of my babies All come through Pinnacle Pet, And there's a reason. So when I go up north to visit these breeders, I'm doing it because it's just part of who I am morally and ethically. You know, I I want to see my babies. I want to see the parents. I want to see where they come from. But anyone who could tell you that they're on top of all of their breeders, it would be impossible. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. and if, and if somehow it was possible, I wouldn't be able to do as thorough of a job. So I lean, you know, my, the truth is the one I screamed the most, the, the organization that I went through with a fine tooth comb, the most was pinnacle was Chris Fleming. Right. So now I can close my eyes metaphorically. And I know that if he says that, you know, um, Juanita Maxima with the happinesses, we're offering you a dog from her and she's fantastic yes, I'll want to go visit Juanita, right? But I yeah. can move my eyes closed. I know I'm dealing with an incredible breeder that meets his standards, if that makes sense.
0: Sure. And for those listening, uh, check out the last Doggone Good podcast with uh, Chris, where we talk about that and a step further, the canine care certification uh, that <sighs> came out of Purdue University. I mean, it's mm-hmm. um, it, it just absolutely, that information flies in the face of everything you're told about how bad it is and the breeders and the pet stores and that because they are, um, you know, like you. I can speak for you. You're being uh, honorable. You're you're making sure you're going through a company who sources and figures out who the breeders are, and then on top of that, there's a certification. So it's it's very cool, and I encourage people to listen to the last podcast because uh, I, en- I really enjoyed that. I know Tommy... You did as well.
1: That was a good conversation. One of the things that stuck out to me in that conversation, I've said it a lot, is uh, kind of in our culture, in our world, people are constantly pointing out problems, but they're not looking for solutions. And so that program is offering a solution, uh, you know, the breeder certification. So th- for people that are really concerned about puppy mills and not wanting to support that as a, as a culture, that is a solution where we can say, okay, well that breeder has met these criteria and we know, you know, that we have a quality, uh, breeding situation here. Um, so th- I, I, think we have to look more to finding solutions, um, for these big problems rather than just writing it off and shutting it all down, which has been a problem you've faced, I think is having the, the puppy stores shut down or, um, in specifically in your county. I uh, wasn't yeah. outlawed.
0: No, we're not. He's great. You're grandfathered. Correct. Dan.
2: I, I'm, I'm grandfather, but Tommy's out. But the news stories where, where? Yeah. Yes. Correct. And, and Tommy, you're hitting the nail on the head. Um, I, I've been a firm believer of this. and I've been fighting for it. And I'm going to continue to fight for it. And, and I, and I, and Heidi knows this, but um, the reality is, and I've been quoted publicly in the media making this statement. If we can close down all puppy mills tomorrow morning, if it means shutting down every pet shop, I will lock my doors and not open them. I'm actually all for that. The problem is we already have evidence. So, and, I wanna, and I'll get to it, but what, what I'm getting at is the individuals that are with the animal welfare organizations that are fighting tooth and nail, these are not bad people. They're they're good people. Their intentions are wonderful. They, they don't want puppy mills. None of us do but they've been misled to a certain degree. And the reason is they have shut down pet shops. They actually have shut down States. So now
0: what
2: you thought was a good idea, you saw what happened in California. If you actually Google puppies for sale in California, like 30 or 40 pages come up on the internet. They're all puppies for sale without any regulation oversight. And these are coming from what's called the dark web, you know, the dark web of puppies, you know, an underground market, a black market, essentially, you know, so we do need to find the right solutions, you know, over proper oversight, proper regulation, you know, that makes sense, that that's put together by people who know animals like Heidi, like myself, Purdue university, you know, that can make a difference.
0: You know, I, I couldn't agree more with what you said. I will, say that I won't refer to the, the animal groups as animal welfare. They're animal rights groups and they're animal rights extremists, right? And they're trying oh, to right. close down every pet store. So let's call them what they are, animal rights extremists. And I totally agree. The people who, the, the middle and lower tiers of those groups are people who've joined in because they think they're saving animals and doing the right thing. The tops of those groups, they're in it for the money, I mean, you could go on my website, ASPCA, make it over a million dollars, the uh, CEO. Just totally unacceptable, offshore accounts, millions of dollars. But that's why I started the podcast, was to reach the folks kind of in the middle and the the warriors on the lower end who are doing the hard work and that, and the picketing, all of that. But it's because they really believe they're doing the right thing. They're misguided, right? So that's who we're trying to reach. And I, I... I want to make sure that those folks are the ones that are, are hearing, you know, hopefully hearing what we're talking about. And one of the other things I say is, okay, I agree with you. If it meant all, I hate the word puppy mill because it was coined by the animal rights groups, but um, breeders without ethics, right? So Mm -hmm. if it closed them all down, I, I love that you said that you'd, you'd close up your store, and I, I believe you. That won't solve the problem because that's what they see in California. There's an underground, there's supply and demand, and people are going to demand cute puppies, and they're going to get them somewhere. Over a million are coming in from other countries. The CDC banned 113 countries, and that wasn't even the tip of the iceberg For until 2024 of this year. They had extended it because of rabies, rabies distemper, underage mm-hmm. pets. You want to see something heinous. This is where I get emotional. I think about these freaking people in other countries who who uh, breed these dogs, and they put young puppies on a plane. The puppies die on the plane on the way over. That's oh, yeah. heinous. You want to yeah. get upset about something, get upset about that. You know, Let's stop that trade, but that's what this is encouraging unfortunately and if we ban pet stores and we spay and neuter every dog from a shelter we can all do the math let's just use 15 as an easy number how many how many years before we don't have any dogs why don't people see that one i i will never understand that yeah, yeah right?
2: i agree with you Hunter. i agree i agree
0: what are we going to what are we going to have and yes we don't the shelters and again and I'm, I'm preaching to the choir with you guys, but to I, want, I say this every chance I get because I want our listeners to really start soaking this up. There's a, there is not a surplus of adoptable animals in shelters in the United States. There are pockets where there is overcrowding in the shelter, but they're not what used to be considered adoptable dogs, either special needs or the bully breeds, you know, crosses, and again, never the animal's fault, but we're all being misled. There's actually a shortfall of over 2 million to meet the demand of folks who want dogs. So if you're listening and you want a dog and you feel like you're being told you need to like go to the shelter, choose a dog not right for your family. As an animal trainer, Dan, I tell people all the time, you want a dog and you have kids? I don't know that the shelter is the right place for you. I say, if you're truly ready and you're ready to put up with a puppy, get the right breed of puppy and let it grow up with your family. Right. Right, That, that to me is the best scenario. So I'm on my soapbox a bit here. (laughs) So back to your breeders. So you, you have a way to, you could find breeders yourself, but you go through pinnacle pet for a lot of them. And then they're the ones who are making sure the breeder is reputable, checks the boxes, that kind of thing. Right.
2: Correct. Correct. And and so Chris, and his entire team, they're also family owned and operated, but his entire team, they didn't create Canine Care Certified through Purdue, it was Purdue, but they are, when I tell you they're educating their breeders and they're educating the industry, um, they have been such a force in steering the industry you know, towards this. Towards this different way of doing business, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and, and helping us educate the public, which is a ripple effect to, to then hopefully educate. And you're you're right; the majority of them are animal rights activists and extremists. I have met both. I have met yeah. animal welfare individuals um, that I admire, but yes, a lot of them, and it's the same group of people nationwide that yeah. that, that, that create these you know wars.
0: Absolutely.
2: Unknowingly, you know, unfortunately creating a a situation where they're attacking us and then creating pockets of black markets like in California.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you, um, have you been, uh, targeted in any way by, I would think, I mean, I have friends who have exotic animals. It's hundreds of thousands of emails calling the fish and wildlife, the USDA, those kinds of things where they, they just wear you down. So even if you're not wrong, they, they sue you, they tie you up in lawsuits, whatever it is. This is typically the tactic for zoos and exo- you know, the bigger exotic animals. What, what does that look like for you? If you've had any of those issues?
2: I, I haven't had those type of attacks. I, I definitely, I know that there's a target on my back. There has been for a long time, mainly because they're used to going to these different towns, and dealing and shutting down these pet shops, right? And yeah. whether it be a city, a town, or or municipality or a county. Um, the when they come to ours, I speak. And when I speak, I, I say the right things. You know, I, I tell the council, I have three minutes to talk and I start talking really fast. And I say, look, you want my three minute show? Cause you just got their three minute show, which is a picture from a puppy mill in another country from the 1940s. Yeah. I'm gonna ask you guys, I'm begging you guys, take a two minute break just Google number one buyer at puppy auctions, which is where the mill dogs are and it's rescues. And the first two results are from the Washington post and PETA. They're the ones who wrote the article saying that the number one buyer at the puppy auctions are animal rescue. Yeah. So I, I say these kinds of things. I'm very well versed. I'm very well spoken. I'm very respectful yes. when I, when I meet the commissioners and I tell them, I say, you know, you want to create a black market, do what they're doing everywhere else and, and these groups they are going after the low-hanging fruit they like to go to a city or a town where there are no pet shops yeah
0: i was just going to say they're, they're not even a pet shop there it's a precedent setting the
2: president right. right so then exactly and then they show up to the council look we've got all these people that have banned it well because you showed them these horrible pictures and they don't have pet shops there's no one to defend themselves and if i was a council member who want the right thing for my city and someone shows up with all these pictures and I don't know anything about this. No, I don't want this, you know? And that's what happens.
0: Absolutely. We were fortunate because uh, we're in Pinellas County and we have the Sunshine Skyway Bridge, which connects to Bradenton and Manatee County, Florida. They overturned it in Manatee County. And uh, that's, that's really not the norm for that to happen. And I want to try to get that uh, councilman on our, podcast, Tommy, because I'd really like to talk with them. But we're fortunate here because it seems like our commissioners, uh, uh, especially right now, the chair has got some, some sense about this. She's asking good questions and, and it's good information that I've seen her write and that type of thing. So it's, it seems, and thankfully again, you're here and you speak well on, you know, you you can make your case. That doesn't happen everywhere. And the other way they get animal people is we're busy. You're busy, right? I know you're busy, you know, Tommy's busy. He's got a horse training business. It's harder for the animal people to be the ones to walk the halls or go lobby or try to get these bands through. It's a lot of work, right? It's a lot of work to try to defend it. And it puts us in a reactive position and then you know it's now you're assumed you're assumed presumed guilty until you prove yourself innocent instead of the other way around.
2: Yeah, and I and, and I've been challenging the norm because I'm taking a proactive.
0: Ah, uh, yes, this point. you are.
2: I, I was reactive, by the way, for years. and uh, You know, like everyone else, you know, and now I'm, I'm becoming much more proactive. Yeah. You know, I, I want I'm going to start uh, visiting other pet shops, um, talking to them. I've got some great ideas. Um, great. I. I working with pinnacle um they have a rescue called a dog's dream
0: yes Um, yes i saw that
2: which is which is fantastic and the shop and margo is going to be the first one that i'm going to have a section there for a dog's dream which is you know again the kind of breeders we work with care about the the, the parents and and we need to rehome them we need to find them homes so we're going to start having them there
0: wow Um, that's really cool yeah Yeah, i love that part of it yeah That's really neat. So Dan, go ahead, Tommy. Oh, I thought you were. Um, Well, I
1: do, I do have a question. Um, i getting ready for this. Of course I do it just a general, Google review, uh, Google search of your store and just looking at, you know, who are you? What do you have? Um, and so you have a lot of Google reviews. And what I was reading, uh, they're, they're on the polar opposite ends. You either have like all five stars and they people love you, or you have like zero stars, one star, and it's what I've noticed that was the trend thing in one star was, well, it smelled like urine in the puppy store. I've right. worked in Kennels, I've been in a worked as a vet tech for many years. Anytime you're around dogs, there's gonna be feces, there's gonna be urine. I get it, right? But I would think from all the things that we're just talking about, you're under kind of a microscope as as a pet store. You know the the, um, the animal rights people are, are looking at you constantly, looking for you to be anything out of line. So I would think that you probably have some uh, standard operating procedures, some you know things like that, where. Um, I would imagine if I walk into one of your puppy stores, it's going to be extremely clean and extremely well run because you know that you're being watched. Uh, So my question really is in those reviews, are you able to to really see like, are these actual customers, are these actual people that have come into your stores or how many of them are like animal rights people just saying, you know, uh, broad general terms trying to make you look bad?
2: Good okay. Question. This
1: is so it's a little. This is a, there's a little everything. It's a great. Tommy, you you
2: make great points and great questions. So, I, I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the cross answer of, of all of it essentially. So, um, we are very 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 anal about our baby's environment. We really care about our baby's environment. That being said, the reason we're remodeling Argo right now is we were put in the position, as many pet shops unfortunately are, where every five minutes you're looking at your watch, are they gonna close me this week? Are they gonna close me this mm-hmm. week? So it's like, n- now you're between a rock and a hard place. You know, do I do I inject money here or do I not inject money here? Um, Largo, finally, I said, you know, regardless of what's gonna happen, I need, these are my babies, I need to do this. But when we inject money, um, our pet shops have exam rooms in them, that rival most veterinary offices. Um, the, and I invite you both to come take a look at our, our locations. You'll, you'll be shocked, but, so we're not talking about $5,000 or $10,000 injected. These are state-of-the-art, you know, opt- you know facilities essentially. Um, when it comes to cleanliness and disease control, our protocol surpasses a lot of veterinary offices. Um, we are very OCD about everything we do because they are our, our babies essentially. Now, what happens with reviews, okay? so. You guys know this. Most of the time when you come into my shops, it's a very pleasant experience. The smell is not overwhelming at all. And if you're there long enough, you might smell a whiff of poop. Never pee, but poop, because sure. the dog happened to go on, you know, poop. Yeah. Um, it's gonna happen. Right. Now, there are occasions where Tommy, 10 minutes before you walk in, 12 dogs all poo at the same time. Because we feed breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So yes there are times you walk in and it's like, Oh wow. Okay. This is strong. Yeah. But, but you'll always see if you're there for two or three minutes, you'll see all of a sudden the, the process of us cleaning the media. Sure. You know what I
0: mean, yeah.
2: Um, so we're on top of it when it comes to the reviews, the polar opposites. Well, I don't think anyone you don't know or anyone who hasn't been there is going to just leave a review with five stars. So I know that those are um, right. I get a lot of one star, because you can't go low in that, reviews that are definitely from the activists, the extremists. Um, I know it because I'll see you, Tommy, I'm gonna use you as an example, I'm sorry, but I'll see a review all of a sudden on Coastal Puppies from Tommy, and then 10 minutes later, Sunshine Puppies from Tommy, and then yep. 10 minutes yeah. after that, Sunshine Puppies too. And a lot of times, it's actually the exact same review, he's just cutting and
0: pasting.
2: Yeah, yep. So I know he hasn't even been there, you know what I'm saying? Um, the problem is, of course, you know, this Google, the way they set it up, I can't, I can't just say this person's never even been in my shop. They don't really care. You yeah. know. So, and, and the extremists have gotten educated as to what they can and cannot say that won't that I can't get removed. So mm-hmm. unless mm-hmm. I sit there and say, I was on a podcast and Tommy, and I say his last name, I felt he was very threatening. And this and this, that at that point you can remove it because I've given personal information about Tommy. Right. Other than that, they can get away with murder and, and, and they do, they do, you know,
0: same thing happening at zoos and exotic animals, circuses, the Iditarod, all of it, all the podcast, uh, all the topics I've done, carriage horses, they, mm-hmm. they, they kind of pad the box of email and reviews. And by the way, there was just a big uh, news article, uh, uh, AP news article that so many reviews on any business are not real. Like that's what we're using to look at and that the Mm -hmm. reviews they're cracking down on that really well, you know, because it's been a problem across the board for businesses, but we've all experienced that. And it's hard to make people understand that. And Dan, we live in Pinellas County and I say this often. Um, it's a great place to live, uh, but it's dense and there were amongst urbanites, right? So right. more than 92, 3% of the United States now are urbanites. And so removed from agriculture and growing up with animals and kind of the common sense of what ag families and those who had animals, even, you know, just, uh, uh, just horses or any, not even, you know, a uh, large variety of animals. So people have a different feeling about their animals. You know, they anthropomorphize of course, and very emotional. And it's not in the no. best interest of the animals, but I kind of segued there. But yeah, the review, back to the reviews. It That was a great, uh, great question, Tommy. I'm glad you brought that up.
1: That's why you hired me.
0: I know. I Don't I have good taste? Look at this.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, his questions are phenomenal. Like, I know. He asks you a question, but there's like 12 points in there that are very important.
2: I
0: know it gets him right in there. There's a lot to
1: cover. Yeah. It is. It is. Yeah. You know, you can't cover just one aspect of it because it, it doesn't, you have to look at the whole picture of this. Yeah.
0: Right? So and I'm the generational, do. I'm the generational experience of, and I don't do that, but you know, this is the way we did it. And for three generations, my family has done it this way. I actually believe that the generational experience combined with updates in science and technology, Best practices is the program, the the best program, right? You're combining that. Tommy's experience is um, on top of being in the field and with animals that he's got the education and the degree. So between us, we usually make some good points. <laughs> yeah, we try to. We try. Do our best. We have fun doing it too. But so, um, Dan, I want to. I kind of want to wrap it up in this way, and if, you'll have an opportunity to say something else as well, but what's your advice to people who are listening who are now convinced that they have a choice if they want to go to the shelter and see what dogs are there, or they want to go to the pet store and look, what's your advice for someone thinking about getting a dog or a puppy in their home? What, what would you kind of leave them with how to make the choice, but how to know if it's right to do that in the first place?
2: I would start off by telling everyone, these are, these are living creatures. They're babies. Um, and they deserve your time and your effort when it comes to making the right decision. Um, fortunately you're not looking at a six month relationship or a one year relationship. And I tell this to families, I'm like, you know, that little girl there, she's so sweet. How old is she? They're like, Oh, she's 10. I'm like, okay, well she'll probably be 26 when we say goodbye to this baby. So that being said, you gotta do your homework. You gotta, you know, make the right decision for your family. And for yourself, even if, it, if, if you live alone, it's the right decision for you, right? Ask questions. Ask the right questions. You know, um, when you say, where did my babies come from? That's a good question. The answer you're going to get is not going to fulfill a, a true need to know. So ask, do, do any of your babies have champions in their bloodlines? which um, I'd say about 80% of my babies do, Do ask about OFA certifications. And this is hard stuff to remember. Go to my website, you'll see it, it's there. Right. You know, Um, OFA certifications from the Orthopedic Foundation for Animals. You know, what makes you different than other, yeah, what makes you different than other pet stores? See, when you have a population of babies at a pet store, and you've got some champions in bloodlines, you have OFA certifications from the Orthopedic Foundation for Animals. You know, these are kind of telltale signs that this person is dealing with good breeders. Mm -hmm. Because a true mill is not gonna have champions in bloodlines, they're not gonna have certifications on health on a dog, they're just just not. Um, That being said, it would be probably very difficult to find a pet shop that does deal with any kind of a really puppy mill situation. Because what you said, we are under the scrutiny of the public eye. We're being watched daily by the activists. They do go in and they do take pictures and they do their research on these breeders because they're looking for a smoking gun. Sure. And if there is one, if there's one, you're on the news the next day. We all know this. So that should help you a little. Um, yeah. In the future. And I say the future. I mean, starting in the next two weeks, you're going to start to see videos of us at our breeders. So that will also help.
0: Oh, great. That's awesome. Which is
2: a part. Yeah, it's part of my visits. Yeah. So hopefully, just ask the right questions. Do your research. Two sides to the story do your research on what's right for you, breed wise, and do your research by asking the right questions when you go into a pet store.
0: And I would add to that try to leave your emotion behind because those of us who actually love, care for, and work with animals, we're, we're, we love our animals. We're emotional, but we know how to stay practical. And realistic because that is what's in the best interest of the animal. You don't make good decisions when you're emotional. So, um, I think that would be the only thing I would add to that. Tell me any, Mm -hmm. any other thoughts on that?
1: No, I think that's great. Great information to pass on to the public.
0: Yeah. And we'll put your website in show notes and, Mm -hmm. uh, so they could visit that. So anything, any last words, Dan?
2: um, not really, other than I really look forward um, to, to seeing you both again. Yeah. And, and really, because it's a journey. There's yeah. so much information to cover. There's so many things that we need to do as a community to make this a better choice for individuals, a safer choice for individuals. You know, the yeah. last thing you want to do is be meeting an individual in the parking lot of a Walmart or, or any mall pick up your puppy. Yeah. It's not because that person's a bad person. H- Heidi, I don't think you would want a stranger showing up at your house to pick up a dog yeah. you know, in the world we live in. Yeah. But if you are a shady individual, if that puppy is coming from a, a dark place that, that, that shouldn't exist, you're going to be meeting them in the parking lot of the wall.
0: Yeah. And that's then, a telltale sign needs, right there.
2: Yeah. We need to overcome this by, coming up with the right solutions like, like Tommy would say.
0: yeah well good Dan we look forward to having you on again we've talked about kind of keeping this journey and keeping this conversation going so I do yeah. look forward to that thanks for being on the there's podcast there's a lot more to come there is yes and hashtag there's more to the story <laughs>
2: there's a lot more you're right <laughs>
0: thank you Dan Well, I'm I'm excited to have talked to Dan and as we said we're going to try to do a series uh, set something up to do a series with Dan which I think would be good to really, you know, pull back the curtain even further and and talk in details about the puppy stores, but I I also will say I don't want this to be defensive because it's like we're we are, you know, trying to go on offense here, not be defensive and say, well, this is why it's okay. And this is why it's okay. Wait a minute. Let's just step back and look at this. It's just because you've heard negative things don't mean they're true. Right. Right. It's, um, It's it's a campaign and it's a money making campaign by the animal rights community. And we call it retail rescue because the, one of the reasons they want pet stores to go away is because it takes money away from shelters and make no mistake, as Dan said, they're the ones going to auctions to buy breeder, you know, puppy mill puppies and that. So there's a lot more to this story, and we want to keep bringing you that information.
1: And you have to go see for yourself, like you always say.
0: Took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, go go talk to these folks, and uh, you know, we sometimes we hear something and we don't want to um, we don't want to check out for ourselves. So go see for yourself. Yeah. All right, Tommy, we're up to the final parts of our podcast. We have our pet peeve and that's yours today.
1: Yeah. So uh, my pet peeve today, we talked at the top of the episode about vaccinations um, and vet annual vet visits. Yeah. Um, and there's a, kind of a, the trendy thing is the anti-vaxxers or the non-vaxxers or whatever. Um we, we preach and we preach and we preach on this podcast about best practices and doing what's in the best interest of your animal. You, if you're going to own an animal, you have to trust the professional that you're employing, so your vet or your trainer, uh, to give you quality advice. Um, and then you should follow that advice. So my pet peeve is when somebody asks for advice and then does not follow it. Um, if your vet says, you know, looks at your situation and your, your animal care and says, I really would recommend that you get the Bordetella vaccine. And then you say, Oh, I know I don't want to do the Bordetella vaccine. And then three weeks later, your dog comes in with kennel cough. I don't have a ton of sympathy for you yeah. as the, I have a sympathy for the dog. I feel bad for the dog. Um, but I don't have a lot of sympathy for the owner going, Oh no, now I have to treat kennel cough. Uh, so if, if you're going to be in this and you're, you're going to ask the advice of a professional, somebody who should know more than you do, then you need to trust their advice and try to take it as you can.
0: And I was the recipient of this when I sent him my bill and said, what do you think about, uh, and we had talked when we were together over the winter, what shots? And he said, it's cheaper for the vaccine than to get the dog uh, to to the illness, getting the illness, yep. or taking the care. ounce of prevention
1: versus the pound of cure.
0: And you know what? I, I did think about that, and it it, it made my decision about a couple of things. So yeah, I do appreciate it, and so hopefully I'm. Taking your advice when I ask for it. I
1: think so. Most of the time. For the most part. (laughs) Yes.
0: All right. For the trainer tip, I came across this this week with uh, someone I was talking to about training their dog. And then I, it's funny how that works, that then it starts showing up. And I don't mean like the Google algorithm. I just mean like all of a sudden I'm reading more about this particular subject, you know. And this one is what they call pandemic puppies. And there's such mm-hmm. an irony to this, it's a bit of a pet peeve, but it's the trainer tip, that the pandemic puppies are got shorted because they we couldn't socialize and be out and do stuff. The reality yeah. is just the opposite. There would no better time to train your dog. Because socialization for dogs does not mean what Tommy and I getting together for coffee, socialization. I never even used the word. I did not grow up with the word. I don't agree with the word. I think it's misleading. It's really foundation training. It's mm-hmm. training. It's not. Socialization is, it, it, it takes on a different meaning to me and it confuses people. So they're thinking that they didn't get to bring their little puppy out to have a play date with all the other puppies. Well, the reality is not that one off on those isn't horrible, but the reality is to train our animals, we need them, them and us one-on-one until we master that skill. And then we introduce more distractions. We master that skill. If we don't, we back up and actually go back to the skill that we, that was, had holes in it when we thought we were over it. So I, I wish people would stop with the pandemic puppy thing because it's a fail if there was absolutely no better time to your home, your animals home with you, you probably needed to take walks to get out of the house. It was just the perfect, the perfect scenario to train an animal, not the opposite.
1: Yeah, I think exactly what you're saying. It's, it's an ongoing misunderstanding for people um, that they think that for the dog to not be scared of, uh, I don't know, a mailbox that they have to see a million mailboxes. Yeah. Or see a million fire trucks drive by. Right. That's not really how things work. No. What you need is a foundation of solid training, which really opens up communication and then a relationship with you and your animal. Yeah. So that then when the dog is in a scary situation, they look to you and go, Are we scared of this? Yeah. Is this a problem? just like a child would look at their parent, uh, and say, uh, I'm not really sure about this. This is weird. But if you, as the parent, say, you're good, everything's fine, you know, continue on, then suddenly you get a lot more relaxed and you can you deal build with confidence. that situation. You build your confidence. Um, so it's, I think it's an ongoing sort of misunderstanding for people
2: uh, totally. across the board
1: with, with dogs, with children, I see it with horses all the time. Uh, So, yeah, it's a it's a big discussion, I think, that needs more uh, education for people. Yeah,
0: I would I would I wish we'd just lose this word socialization out of working with animals because I I just don't have it doesn't come into fit in anything. And here's a quick example with horses. Um, we they have a stick and they'll put a Walmart or plastic bag, mm-hmm. bag on the end of it called sacking him out because when a bag rolls by in the wind, it makes noise, it's crunchy, and the horse is like, oh, my God, or a water bo- plastic water bottle. I've never trained a horse with a bag or a water bottle, but yet yeah. I've never had a horse spook at one because, as you just said, and this is what you're going for. So if you're working with your dog, you're not going to be able to get every distraction. And, yes, we're going to role play a lot of stuff, but first and foremost, they have to look at you and say, "Uh oh, mm-hmm. this is scary." And if you go, "Oh shit, this is scary," you're not. The dog is going to take charge. Somebody's got to be yeah. in charge, like it or not. Right? We're not all equals. Somebody's in charge, and it is just like a small child. So please consider that, and and you're just making excuses too. Um, if you if that's not working out, then there are holes in your foundation. You need to go back to a quiet training area and make sure that that dog's looking at you and we could tell you how to do that. Reach out to me. I will tell you step by step. And then if I can train for you, you could find somebody else fine. But if you need help with that, so thank you. That was right on Tommy. So thank you for being in my trainer tip. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was uh, action packed and it really is a hot topic and something I want to make sure we really put as much information out as we can about. So thank you again, Tommy, as always. And Thank you. So please subscribe. Uh, We don't want you to miss any episodes. Please rate and review the podcast. And by all means, share it. This is really good information. As a matter of fact, it's doggone good information. Thank you.